Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Tristan Nunez, driver of the 7-0 Skyactiv Mazda prototype, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the December 5th edition of Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This episode 176 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mullally and myself will be recapping the past week of racing, previewing upcoming action. There isn't a whole lot of upcoming action, but we'll preview it anyway, and discussing whatever other topics pop into the conversation. Recently, we partnered with Waldorf Publishing to bring some insight into their authors and some of the books they're working on. With that in mind, we'll be highlighting a variety of authors over the next several weeks. For more information on this series, check out the Storytime for Grown-Ups Author Spotlight, Currently available on Fabulous Fantastic Finds. Our first guest tonight is Serge. I think I hope I said that right. Thomas. His new book, No Prostate Required, is his real-life story, true to fact, about the journey he took from diagnosis of having prostate cancer through the surgery, rehabilitation, and ultimately coming out the other end of the process fully cancer-free and living a complete, full, and robust life. We are now pleased to welcome Serge Thomas to the program. Hello, how are you doing this evening? Um, very well, Adam, and thanks to you and McCall for having me on your show. This is a great opportunity to talk about No Prostate Required and get the word out on the book. After all, 70% of adult males have issues with their prostate gland. Well, thank you very much for coming on this evening. It's, a, it's great to talk to you. And first, I'd like to throw you out to my co-host who has a few questions for you to begin with. Certainly. Okay, so my first question for you, do you ever find difficulty putting your thoughts on paper? Well, generally, no. I don't have any problem with open dialogue, and you will see that in my book, No Prostate Required. With such sensitive and personal information contained in the book, I had to strike a fine balance between full disclosure and limited disclosure, or so my wife said. As you well know, she was the other half of the content of No Prostate Required. And if you were to get your rock and roll band together, what role would you play? Well, I'm quite proficient at drums and percussion, so drums would be the instrument. Uh, However, being a chief financial officer uh, for nearly 30 years, the role would be the business guy, and quality control of the band, in, in addition to providing the rhythm. And is your book going to be one of many? If so, what else would you consider writing about? Well, thank you for that important question. Um, I once was told that if you believe you have information that will benefit at least one person, you will publish, as in the case of no prostate required. Actually, 70% of males will have some sort of issues with their prostate gland, some serious, others not so. And 50% of males 35 35 years or older will have issues with ED, or commonly known as erectile dysfunction. So that was my impetus for writing and publishing No Prostate Required. 
this actually is my second book, which is now published. The first is written under a pseudonym and is somewhat of an expose about the five times in my career that owners, chief executive officers, private equity attempted to influence me to commit fraud for their financial benefit. With the same mantra for publishing, I went forward with the book that is fully revealing and an insider's story of how greed and self-realized financial gain in public and private companies are affecting everyone's financial future. Banks and individuals have absolutely no clue of what is in a company's financial statements, and they are lending and investing with these companies. I believe that this book will help pension funds, people in being a bit more skeptical as well as individuals considering a career in finance. Therefore, I've written and published that book as well. It would take a great cause such as these to write another. Writing and publishing is a, is a, a large effort, near to exhaustion, if I may, and you must have the full passion to do it well. And my final question for you this evening, what is your dream car? Ah, a 2003 BMW Z4 first edition. This is the car that caused my wife and I to be together for the remainder of time since February the 13th, June 2003. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Sure, Adam. First, I wish a book like mine was out there at the front of what I was about to experience upon being diagnosed with prostate cancer. No Prostate Required is actually a memoir about a two-and-one-half-year process of my prostate cancer diagnosis, its treatment through robotic surgery, and ultimate rehabilitation through second surgery two years later, which resulted in my life now being full, robust, and cancer-free. It's a chronology of events that took me from diagnosis through the decision stages of whether or not to have the surgery known as robotic radical prostatectomy. That's kind of scary in and of itself. Uh, to uh, full function cancer-free recovery and all the details in between. It speaks to the importance of physical in intimacy in a fully loving relationship and potentially sacrificing that to become cancer-free and lengthen one's life. However, with a compromised partner relationship perhaps. My wife and I face this with her undying support and love. She's a remarkable woman. Uh, the book also details my regaining a fully functional life with the help of Dr. Dana Ohl of the University of Michigan Medical Center, Department of Urology, where he helped me with a second procedure, which occurred approximately two years after the prostatectomy. I'd like to add that his great cause of male reproductive urolo urology in the collaboration of University of Copenhagen and the University of Michigan, known as COPMISH, shall receive 20% of my proceeds from the sale of no prostate required. Hmm. And what would you hope people would learn from reading No Prostate Required? Uh, thank you, Adam, for that important question. First, perseverance and drive for good 
in the face of adversity will get you through any challenge. Second, the choice of excellent professionals and excellent technology in this day and age is of utmost importance when dealing with one's overall health. And how has your life changed since your book came out? Well, it's interesting you ask that question. Um, the major change comes in the form of knowing and befriending Barbara Terry, my publisher, who owns and operates Waldorf Publishing. Barbara listened to my story, recognized how we could both team to help individuals who are experiencing difficulty with a form of cancer, and took a chance on publishing my book. To Barbara, I am forever in her debt for helping to get an unabridged story about my experience with prostate cancer out there. And my final question for you this evening, if my listeners are interested in purchasing No Prostate Required or learning more about information about the book, where would they go to do so? Well, of course, it's available on waldorfpublishing.com, but most major retails such as Walmart or most inter internet booksellers such as Amazon also will uh, carry the book and have it available for sale, or your local bookstore. If they do not stock it, please ask them to do so, and they will happily, happily provide it. Well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program this evening and wish you lots of luck with your, with your publishing deals, and hopefully your health stays up and pretty good as well. Same to you, Adam and McCall, and thank you so much for having me on your program. Thank you. Have a great evening. You also. Thank you. Bye. Once again, that was Serge Thomas, the author of No Prostate Required, whose book is available from Waldorf Publishing. We'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode for another glimpse into the literary mind. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Mullally or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you. Our next two guests come to us from the world of Supercross, which is an FIM World Championship and one of the most competitive, high-profile motorsport leagues in the world. Supercross is filling prestigious MLB and NFL stadiums across the country, captivating fans with nonstop action and plenty of fireworks, literally and figuratively. For those who don't know what Supercross is, it's a sport, has a regular season schedule of 17 races that air on, air on live on NBC. It has standings and a crowds and, it, and crowns a new AMA Supercross champion each and every year. One of those riders looking to become the next Supercross champion is Kyle Cunningham, and he is our next guest this evening. When it comes to racing, Kyle Cunningham has been around for over a decade, ridden for a lot of teams, and has overcome plenty of daunting issues. Multiple injuries, finding rides in rough times, and creating his own opportunities are just some of the hurdles Cunningham has overcome. But despite all his experience, the veteran rider is still encountering new things. Especially this year, Cunningham is returning to the HEP Motorsports team after being an original member in their inaugural season. He'll return to the Premier 450SX Supercross class after taking a year hiatus from 450SX Supercross and racing 250SX Supercross East as a privateer out on his own in the 2019 season where he finished ninth. We are now very happy to welcome Kyle Cunningham into the Thunderdome.
How's it going? Hello, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you very much. First off, how'd you get started in the dirt bike racing? Ah, oh, that was a long time ago. Uh, I actually don't have any family or anything that raced, um, but I had a friend when I moved to a small town back in Texas that had a motorcycle, showed up at my house one day, and two weeks later I was at the track and a bike under the Christmas tree. <laughs> For anybody who's unfamiliar with Supercross, how would you describe the sport? I mean, the sport, when it comes to Supercross, I think it's action-packed, uh, felled, Supercross live. Um, the racing is bar-to-bar action, close uh, intensity. I mean, it's a great sport. Uh, the program, everything that you go to see and watch, um, it's pretty self-explanatory. The guy that comes out up front and crosses the checker flag first wins, and you know, it's uh, something that's been a part of my life for a long time and really love the sport if you're in for that thrill and bar-to-bar racing, close racing, 22 guys battling from start to finish. Uh, you definitely want to be at one of those events. Of all the races you've competed in thus far, which one was your favorite and why? I think for me it would probably be back in 2010, uh, the Las Vegas event. It was my first time to race a 450 there and I got to race with guys like Kevin Windham and uh, Dungy Chad Reed and ended up fourth that night which was a bit of a surprise for me at the time but probably one of the best races I've ever had I still remember it uh, like it was yesterday so I would say that was probably one of the more fun ones for me um, in all my career. And which race are you most looking forward to in the 2020 Supercross schedule? Uh, In 2020, I look forward to the Arlington round, honestly. It's a close race for me at home, 30 miles from the house, tons of family, friends. Uh, It's always a super exciting event to see everyone and be there and race in front of the hometown crowd. So I say uh, for me, it would be round eight at home in Texas. I know you mentioned you weren't really involved in motorsports when when you were growing up, but who was your racing idol? Uh, For me, when I was younger, my racing idol, I'd say, was probably Ricky and and Kevin. I kind of had to, uh, you know, Ricky Carmichael was kind of the go for it, hanging out on the edge type guy, super dominant. That's why they call him the GOAT, and actually had become friends with him over the years. And uh, Kevin Windham, smooth style, the way the guy rode, there was uh, nobody like it. So I always looked up to both those guys growing up watching the races. I'd like to throw you out to my, my co-host, Michael Nally. has a couple of questions for you as well. Okay. So my first question, what emotions did you feel the very first time you raced a professional race? Uh, the very first time I raced a professional race, uh, being in front of 60,000 fans or more in a stadium, uh, it was a little crazy. Um, I know – Growing up riding, there's always people around and guys on the track with you, but stepping foot in that stadium for the first time, my first race was Anaheim 1, where the Angels play. Um, Being in front of that crowd, the prestige of the event, and being 17 years old, uh, you know, you're kind of hoping for the best. Uh, It was was a tough one, but a fun one, but uh, man, it was just 
crazy to be able to live that dream uh, and do something that I had wanted to do for so long in my life. And you've raced on a lot of different tracks. How much of a task is it adapting to each and every one? I think that's the big thing with racing, adapting. Uh, each weekend there's bike changes. That's why, you know, we have suspension guys and motor guys around us to kind of watch as well as make changes for what we're feeling. But when you go from the West Coast to the East Coast, uh, there's always a ton of different dirt. The dirt's stickier. The dirt's more slick and dry. Sometimes it's perfect. So, that's kind of the off-season testing. Uh, what we do is try to find different ways to set up the bike in different environments, different types of dirt. And fortunately, we have a great group of guys to uh, kind of help us point us in the right direction as well as the knowledge from all the years of racing. And being avid on two wheels, do you ever ride on four? I do not ride on four besides driving a car. I've always been uh, been on two wheels. I've ridden a four-wheeler when I was a little bit younger, but uh, I like to feel like I can control it a little more, so I'll, I'll try and stick with the two wheels. <laughs> and my final question for you tonight, professional racing is a fantastic career, but if you could do anything else in the world, what would it be? That's a tough one. Um, Man, I love racing, but if I was going to do something else as an athlete, it would probably be golf. I spend a a lot of time with my uncle uh, being a golf pro and my dad and playing golf in my spare time, and I enjoy it. It's a a completely different, you know, feeling of being out there uh, standing over the ball and whatnot, but uh, I'd say probably that would be a fun one to travel the world still and to different events just like we do on the racing side of things. You mentioned you're fairly close with Ricky Carmichael now. Are you going to be at the uh, Goat Farm Experience next week? No, I will not be at the Goat Farm Experience. Uh, like I said, it's more um, over the years just building a relationship with those guys and guys that you look up to. You actually get to know them and sit down at a table with them and have talks. Uh, haven't ever ridden out at his place, but um, just have been fortunate from the racing side to get to speak with him and talk to him at multiple races on the weekends. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hopefully getting to meet you when I go out to Tampa next year to see the, the Supercross there and, and have a great season next year. For sure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great evening. You too. Bye. Once again, that was Kyle Cunningham. We'd like to thank very much for coming on the on the show this evening. He had a very busy schedule, and wish him lots of luck in the 2020 Supercross season and beyond. We're running a little bit ahead of schedule, so let's go ahead and take a short musical break here. Let's listen to "Angel in Flames" from Ron Pastana and the Pit Crew.
This is Jason Vines, author of What Did Jesus Drive? And you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. We're still standing by for our final guest of this evening. I was ready to be calling into the program. So let's go ahead and, and skip ahead a teeny bit and, and preview the final segment of tonight's show where we're going to talk a little bit more about NASCAR and their, their four presenting sponsors for next year, their partners that they're going to have. Uh, that'll be really, really interesting to change the uh, the entire layout of the sport. It hasn't changed that much since since the uh, Winston Cigarette Company came on in the 70s as their sponsor, their primary sponsor. Um, 
next year, I don't even think they're going to have a, uh, at least we call it the NASCAR Cup. I don't think they'll have any any serious presenting sponsor for the for the Cup. It'll be called the NASCAR Cup Series. They're going to be doing a lot of different changes next season, schedule-wise, but that'll be nothing compared to what they do in 2021, where there's been rumors, all sorts of interesting rumors about what's going to happen next season. So it'll be pretty cool to see how that goes, and uh, we'll we'll be talking about that, I'm sure, in 2020. Looks like our next guest is on the line now. So let's go ahead and get going with the introduction for Alex Ray. Ray is coming off a career-best 2019 campaign where he finished 19th in the season, ending 450 SX Supercross standings. He strung together some very consistent racing, finishing each race in the top 20 and a season-high 15th place in Denver and Las Vegas. The seasoned rider is approaching his 10th season as a professional and recently placed an impressive 13th place at the 2019 Monster Energy Cup this past October, providing a preview of the potential season he could put together in 2020. Ray is heading into a new environment in 2020 and joining SGB Racing Max, Maxis Babbitt's Kawasaki, his first season riding a Kawasaki. If Ray can stay consistent heading into 2020, he can certainly become a top 10 rider. We are now happy to welcome Alex Ray to the program. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing this evening? Oh, man, it's uh, it's going good. You know, we uh, we got some training and riding in a little bit earlier today. And, uh, you know, just uh, now we're just sort of winding down and, and just chillaxing, I guess you could say. How did you first get your start in dirt bike racing? Uh, you know, my dad, he raced, uh, he raced, you know, all growing up through his life. And, uh, you know, whenever he had me, I mean, I was, he had me on a dirt bike before I could walk, it seemed like, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was just a family sport for me and uh, my parents and uh, my two siblings. I have two older sisters. They actually raced as well. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was just sort of a, something that me and my family did on the weekends. I know your your family's been around the around the sport for a while, and and you've been around the sport professionally for ten years. In the world of Supercross, who's your favorite rider to compete against of all time? Um, I would like to say um, I actually got a chance to work with him, um, or I'm still working with him a little bit. But I'd like to say David Millsaps, man, and he was uh, he was great to race against, and uh, just someone I sort of looked up to, you know, just getting to ride with and. Uh, I like his style, the way he rode the bike, and and just like the stuff he did, man. It was it's uh, it was awesome to watch him ride a dirt bike, and also it was a great privilege to race with him as well. Between the Supercross and Motocross seasons, how many events do you compete in each year? Uh, there's 17 Supercross races, and then uh, there's 12 outdoor races. So I'm going to be doing the full season. So I think we're looking at um, let's see. Man, like 45 races or something, including like the off-season races that I'll be doing uh, in overseas and also with Monster Cup. So I uh, got a lot on my plate this year, that's for sure. Doing racing in Canada? Uh, I don't think we're going to be racing in Canada this year. I mean, ob- um, there might be some opportunities uh, coming up, you know, maybe in the off-season. Uh, but uh, I'll have to look into that. I don't think. Um, there's any on my schedule, but 
I mean, there are some races up there that I might want to hit. So uh, maybe that's not out of the question. We've seen how Supercross has grown in popularity in the past few years. But what would you say the audience needs to know about Supercross in order to enjoy the sport more? Man, you know, just uh, maybe just like the everyday grind, you know, I guess people, um, I, I wish they would, they could see what we actually do during the week uh, a little bit more, you know, and how much preparation it does take to, you know, be a top contender, you know, just, you know, all the grinding that we do day in, day out, the training and stuff like that. I wish, you know, the fans could see a little bit more of that. I think they would show a little bit more interest in it. Um, to see that we are, you know, top-notch athletes. And what are your goals for the upcoming 2020 season? Uh, goals for 2020, man, uh, just to get into the top 10 uh, and and really, you know, get my name, you know, established in the 450 class, um, have another consistent year, and just sort of build on, on what I did last year. You know, you know great results, uh, just consistency and uh, hopefully get up there, get some hole shots, and run up front. I have a good bike now, so that should uh, make things a lot easier. I'd like to throw you out to my co-host now. She has a couple questions for you as well. All right. So my first question, what is the craziest experience you've ever encountered on a dirt bike? Um, Craziest experience I've ever encountered on a dirt bike? Um Man, I don't know. Maybe just anything, the, you know, the off-season races that we do, um, you know, like after the season, we have these races, you know, to where we go to Europe and stuff like that. And uh, they have some races over there. And uh, I I like to go to Finland, honestly. The, the people over there are amazing. And uh, racing over there, it's just a crazy experience. And uh, the people I get to race against are a lot different than the, the people I race with in the U.S. So um, I would say that, you know, anytime I get to ride my dirt bike in a foreign country, it's, it's amazing. And has professional racing always been the plan? No, no. Uh, professional racing was not the plan. I mean, I, I, it was always a goal of mine, you know, from, from being, a, you know, a little kid, you know, growing up. But um, like I said, it was just a family sport with me and my family. And uh, it just sort of turned out you know, I ended up being good at it. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't part of the plan, you know, I mean, my dad, he, he owns a pawn shop in Tennessee. So I feel like I was supposed to follow in his footsteps and maybe work at the pawn shop a little bit with him. But, uh, you know, I guess the plans changed and we became a professional supercross racer. And when you first started racing, what was the hardest thing for you to overcome? Um, probably just confidence, you know, because I didn't have a very good amateur career. I mean, I was good, but I wasn't great. And, uh, and stepping into the professional, you know, ranks, you know, with the best people in the world, I didn't really feel like I belonged at the beginning. But, um, you know, each year, you know, confidence, you know, got a little bit better and better. And uh, now I feel like I'm I'm one of the guys. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, a little bit of confidence. And my final question for you tonight, if you could give anyone looking to get in the sport advice, what would that advice be? Um, I would just say that, you know, 
anyone looking to get into the sport, um, just don't give up, don't quit. It's going to be a rocky road. And uh, and if you do get into the sport, it's one of the best feelings. Uh, it's just exhilarating, and there's no feeling like it whenever you're riding a dirt bike, man. It's it's like an escape. You know, you could be stressed out. You could be worried about all kinds of stuff in life, and then you hop on your dirt bike, and everything just goes away. It's like it's like the greatest escape that, you know, you could have is, you know, hopping on a dirt bike and just going out there and doing some laps and having fun. And, uh, it's just, it's just awesome, man. Any type of, you know, on two wheels is just, it's just great. You mentioned you were doing a little bit of training earlier today. Are you going to be at the, uh, at the goat farm experience next week with Ricky Carmichael? Um, uh, no, I won't be, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, Ricky, man, he's, uh, he's awesome, you know, and I would, I would love to be able to, to go over there and do something like that, but I will not be, I'll, I won't be there. And you mentioned the crazy, uh, craziest sort of stuff they have over in Europe. Have you ever, you ever watched the, uh, sidecar motorcycle racing they have there would you be interested in doing something like that yeah yeah i have man and that's something in itself you have a lot you if you're in that little sidecar you got to have a lot of trust in the guy who's riding the motorcycle too so i've i've seen a little bit of that and uh man i don't i don't know if i'd be i'd be into that but i mean that, that looks a little scary to me it does well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program this evening and wish you lots of luck in 2020. Hopefully I get a chance to, to meet you. I'm planning on heading out there for the, the event in Tampa, so that might be kind of cool. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Stop by the STB Racing Max's Babbage Kawasaki team. Well, thank you very much for coming on the program, and, and good luck next season again. All right, thank you. Bye. Once again, that was Alex Ray. He'll be racing in both the Supercross and Motocross series next year. Shifting gears a little bit, in a historic shift for the sport, beginning in 2020, NASCAR's Premier Series will be known as the NASCAR Cup Series and will feature four cornerstone brands as premier partners, Bush Beer, Coca-Cola, Geico, and Xfinity. In addition to the establishment of the premier partner positions, this significant shift will provide many strategic benefits to the industry, including greater activation opportunities for brands across the sport. NASCAR's inaugural grouping of premier partners will play a key role in consumer marketing and fan development issues moving forward. The new model includes premium assets for each premier partner to engage the most brand loyal fans in sports throughout the entire season. Premier partners will collectively, will collectively own a pre- presence connected to the NASCAR Cup Series championship race and NASCAR All-Star race. Additionally, all four partners will be prominently featured in multiple platforms across the sport, including integrations and broadcasts, NASCAR digital and social channels, event entitlements, and market promotions and at-track activations. Bush Beer returned as a NASCAR official partner in 2018. The deal provided the beer brand exclusive sponsorship of the Bush Pole Award, a position it will continue to maintain throughout its premier partnership. Additionally, Bush Beer will sponsor a NASCAR Cup Series event in 2020. Anheuser-Busch's history in NASCAR dates back decades, 1978, when it sponsored the Bush Pole Award. Additionally, Bush Beer was the official beer of NASCAR from 1988 through 1997. 
beginning in 1998, and has a first sponsored the Bud Polo Award through its Budweiser brand, which also became the official beer of NASCAR through 2007. Coca-Cola has been involved in stock car racing for 50 years and became a NASCAR official partner in 1998. As a premier partner, Coca-Cola will continue its sponsorship of both NASCAR troops to the track and NASCAR salutes, the portion of the season focused on highlighting industry-wide appreciation of the U.S. Armed Forces. Coca-Cola will also continue to own the race entitlements at Charlotte Moore Speedway and Daytona National Speedway. Additionally, Coca-Cola becomes the presenting sponsor of the NASCAR Cup Series regular season championship trophy. The agreement further enhances Coca-Cola's position as the official soft drink of NASCAR. The signature part of the brand's marketing strategy is the Coca-Cola Racing Family, an exclusive group of top drivers representing Coca-Cola who are featured across company advertising, promotions, and packaging. Geico's involvement in NASCAR spans more than a decade, and the company became the official insurance provider of NASCAR earlier this year. As one of the most fully integrated brands in the sport, GEICO will enhance its existing assets through its premier partnership and become the presenting partner of a season phase. Comcast Xfinity brand entered the sport with a nine-mark 10-year partner agreement in 2015, positioned as the title sponsor of the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the official entertainment partner of NASCAR. As a premier partner, Xfinity will maintain its Xfinity Series sponsorship, central to its NASCAR strategy. Xfinity will also sponsor the championship for elimination race at the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at Martinsville Speedway. Throughout the past five years, Xfinity has elevated the series where names are made, supporting the introduction of an elimination-style playoffs, re-energizing the Dash for Cash program, reimagining how championships are celebrated at Xfinity's Champions Day at Universal Orlando Resort, and has also honored charitable efforts within the industry through its prestigious Comcast Community Champion of the Year award platform. Xfinity continues to change the way fans access the sport through its Xfinity Stream app, Xfinity X1 Video, and Xfinity XFi Internet. Now, this is going to be a huge change for NASCAR in the next season. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play because I've noticed even the past, well, especially the past few years, on certain platforms, they don't necessarily mention the sponsors much as I'm sure NASCAR is going to want to push like crazy with these four people, especially these four organizations. So... It'll be something to see how it goes, and I don't know how it'll it'll change. I'm also curious as to the uh, if there will be any involvement left with the Monster Energy people in Victory Lane, or if there's going to be some sort of totally different thing next season. And it'll be really really interesting to see how it goes for NASCAR, whether it changes the entire the entire layout of motorsports as a whole in the country, because there's a a movement away from major sponsors and into smaller smaller deals such as this one where you split it like four ways depending on on what the weekend is and that sort of thing so it'll be pretty interesting to see and it will be something to behold in the future now there's also a few other interesting notes of uh, stuff going on in the world of Mars sports over the past week most of it's just just the uh, driver changes and that sort of thing which we covered briefly over the past couple of weeks and i covered more in depth on speedweightdigest.com in the racing news section one of the big things, however, is the fact that discussions continue in in the world of sports car racing between the International Motorsports Association, the FIA, and the Auto Club of the West, the ACO, the people that maintain the race there at the 24 hours of Le Mans. Now, there, there are a lot of rumors as to what's going to happen in the future between sports car racing, whether there's going to be more of a unified series between the United States and Europe, and whether it's or whether it's just going to stay the way it is right now, where the U.S. has the DPI program as the primary 
the primary competitors in the sports car series. And they also bring in the P2s, which are the, the secondary series there in Europe and in Asia as well. Um, so that'll be, be something to see how they go because currently Peugeot, the, uh, the auto manufacturer that dominated the sports car ranks a few years ago, is planning on making a car that actually seems like it fits the DPI formula better than it fits the hypercar formula because they're having Eureka put together the chassis for them. Peugeot is going to put together the, the, uh, the engine and all the electronics and that sort of stuff. And they're going to have another team, a professional management organization, that comes in and takes care of the day-to-day operations of the race car. Now, all this is strictly, it's rumor right now because the, the car does not exist, but it is something that Peugeot has mentioned. Um, Peugeot, of course, that could all change rather quickly as it did for the, the last Peugeot P1 program. Um, but you never know. It'll definitely be a, an interesting thing to the future of, of IMSA and the future of the hypercar program as a whole there in the FIA World Endurance Championship and the Auto Club of the West, 24 hours of Le Mans. Now, that's the, the big news there in the world of, of auto racing. Um, this weekend, the main race that's going to be going on, of course, is the Snowball Derby there in Pensacola. Now, that'll be um, taking place on Sunday. The Snowflake 100 takes place on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll get to chat with, with Jake Griffin, who'll be racing this year in the Snowflake 100. We're also working on talking to, uh, to Garrett Evans, who lives out there in, in Wenatchee, close to Michael. So hopefully we get a response back from him in the next few days, and perhaps we can review the Snowflake 100 weekend and the Snowball Derby next week on the program. So what sort of exciting news in the world of motorsports is going on out there? Is it just too cold to think about that sort of stuff? Well, it's, I mean, it's definitely cold, but no, all the racing is pretty much concluded for the year. So, yeah, now everyone's just being hermits in their house. It'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the snowball thing goes this weekend. I know that the if you want to go to speed51.com, you can can choose to to buy the pay per view for that. Um, they do offer a full coverage of both the Saturday and Sunday action. And it's not really that bad of a price when you consider that you're getting to see all the different racing. I know it's, it is pricey, um, but it's basically like, I think it's about $70, but that's for the entire weekend of racing. And it's one of those sort of things where you can watch it on your, t- on your TV. If you've got the internet ready TV, you can watch it on your computer, watch all of your devices, however you feel like watching it. And uh, that might be kind of cool. Personally, I'm probably going to wait until January and watch the Snowflake 100, which I believe is being broadcast January 29th on Mav TV. Not quite sure on the, entirely on the on the day you can look at that up on the information about the uh, snowflake 100 which is available on the speed51.com website so that'll be kind of cool there are no more races going on here in in south florida last weekend of course was the the citrus nationals at palm beach international raceway i did not receive any information about the the event there at palm beach international um, but if you can you can check that out at racepbir.com for more information uh, they did not mention anything about that on the local news. They didn't have it in the newspaper. They didn't have it as a as a top ten event to do. So that's kind of a bad thing for racing here in South Florida, but not surprising. Uh, they do they do mention the events at Homestead sometimes, so that's kind of cool. But local races, they just forget about most of the time. Um, and that's kind of why we're here. We'll uh, provide any information we get for 
for the the racing there at Palm Beach International as it becomes available to us. So, the next big race we're heading for is the uh, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, which is about about six weeks, seven weeks out. Um, I think it's 51 days, something like that, um, at the Daytona National Raceway, Daytona International Speedway. Um, so that'll be kind of neat to see that. Uh, right now, it looks like they're going to have 46 cars in the in the race. That number could change. There is no official official listing of the cars as of yet. Um, right now, it is all speculation because I don't think the official listing has to be done until the roar before the Rex 24, which takes place during the first weekend of January, roughly one month from now. So that's always a fun event. If you want to head out there to the roar before the Rolex 24, we're going to cover that a little bit next week. Um, if I can find enough information, we'll cover it a little bit next week. But they do have a, uh, a P3 event taking place there during the roar before the Rolex 24. So that's kind of neat. Um, they did have a, also have a P3 race at Homestead Miami Speedway last week. Uh, the fair race, I believe, the Hook 200. So if you checked any of that out on the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page, I posted a couple of videos from there. Um, so be sure to check that out. I've also posted a couple of videos of other motorsports events, and I will continue to do that as I see them uh, all the way through the off-season as available. I'll also try and post a little bit more about the the uh, burnout on the Broadway, which took place there in Nashville last night. They had it on NBC Sportsnet this afternoon, this evening, so that was kind of cool. Uh, the winner of that event was Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch's, I think, was more impressive than Logano's, but Logano threw up a heck of a lot of smoke, got really close to the wall, actually put burn marks on the wall, so that's kind of neat. Um, but the fact that Kyle Busch actually stepped out of his car and kept the, the burnout going while he was totally out of the car and standing on the roof, that's pretty impressive. And that's having a, a, a co-driver there in the, his, whoever his special guest was, dipping his foot on the accelerator the whole time. That's pretty cool. At any event, be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash Speedway Digest Radio. The other site is currently offline. It has not been restored yet. I don't know if it will be, but we, I did do some work on the uh, past episodes here of Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder, so they're easily searchable at blogtalkradio.com slash Speedway Digest Radio. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of motorsports at speedwaydigest.com. We even put out an article this afternoon about the Supercross series, and we're hoping to put out a few more as our relationship with the, the Supercross series continues to build. Uh, the information we put out this afternoon was about the team that Kyle Cunningham will be racing for next season. Got a lot of information about that, so be sure to check that out. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at my fairly new site, Football Plum's Fantastic Finds. It can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and by heading to forborplumsfantasticfinds.wordpress.com. That's F-A-B-O-R-P-L-U-M-B-S, fantasticfinds.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Have a great week, and thanks again.